Welcome to the Lightly Salted Podcast. These are the readings and sermons of St. John's Lutheran Church of Park Rapids, Minnesota. They are offered so that the Word of God would shape and strengthen you to be what He calls you to be, salt and light. You can find us at stjohnspr.org. Now, on to the Word. Our Old Testament reading this morning comes from Isaiah chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. The word of Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, Come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading comes from 1 Peter chapter 2. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For as it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. 
So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord. And here now, the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 11th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things haven't been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So I got a, a couple of questions for you to start off today. It's going to require to put on your thinking caps a little bit and you might just have to take off your socks and shoes so you got a couple of extra digits to count with. We'll start with an easy one because somebody might actually know the answer to this question. How many days is it till Christmas? Now, had we been on September 25th, it might have been a little easier, but you know. All right, here's a tougher one. How many days is it till Advent? Okay, that's like four weeks before Christmas, but how do you count that? Because Advent 4 actually is on Christmas Eve. Well, Christmas Eve is actually on Advent 4 this year, and Christmas Day is the next day. Well, dear, dear Mr. Google says 63 days until Advent. How about, well, how about us switch this from how many days to, does anybody know when Lent starts this year, when Ash Wednesday is? Yeah, it's February 14th. Happy Valentine's Day. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. All right, so Lent is 40 days long. It turns out to be, it's uh, by the way, 136 days until Ash Wednesday. So how many days until Easter? Or can you tell me when Easter is this year? It is not in April. Good guess. Most of the time it is in April. 
This year it happens to be March 31st. All right, one more. Anybody have any idea when Ascension is? Maybe can you give me the answer in relative terms to Easter? 40 days. Happens to be that I'll be celebrating my birthday on Ascension this year. Woo! One last one. How many days until Christ comes again? Who knows is a great answer. On the other hand, I'll say today and tomorrow. For sure. We'll get to that. So why these church year questions? Oh, I don't know except for this. That Psalm 24, which is our focus of LWML Sunday, is an amazing psalm of praise. And it actually is a psalm that drives us through the entire church year. Now, Pastor Berg happened to point out at the beginning of service uh, that we sang our opening hymn as an Advent hymn. Why? Because Psalm 24 is referenced in that hymn. Our hymn of praise after our confession absolution, that actually comes from the section of the hymnal called Holy Trinity, songs that are primarily sung on Trinity Sunday. For our sermon hymn, we actually sang a Lenten hymn, and at 10.30, uh, people who are not receiving communion at that particular time are going to be opening their mouths in praise using an ascension hymn. The uniting theme of all those hymns is Psalm 24. A psalm of praise that is referred to in 16 different hymns listed under 14 different categories in our hymnals. The psalm is a psalm of worship. It's a psalm of God's people going up to Jerusalem, going up to the temple in order to worship Yahweh and to worship the Lord. The one who in mercy presents himself before his people. Psalm 24 is about God and man meeting together. About the creator and the creature meeting together. But then the psalm questions, how is that possible? And it ends in a full-forced acclamation of praise at the answer to that question. I'd invite you to get out your order of service to have it in front of you so you can refer to Psalm 24, which we just read responsibly. The psalm itself begins where Genesis begins, in the beginning. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all who dwell therein. For He has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. God is the creator of all things. And by His very nature of being creator, He is the possessor of all things. And Psalm 24 is absolutely emphatic about this. It doesn't come across quite as well in the English because in Hebrew, you use word placement to emphasize it. So it begins, to the Lord belongs the earth. For it is He who created it. The point of the psalm is that as the Lord comes to meet with His people, as He moves into His creation to meet them in Jerusalem at the temple, it's not an act of a hostile invader who's coming in to conquer foreign territory. Rather, the Lord comes precisely as the Lord of heaven and earth. He comes as the one 
who owns it all. But then we get a double question in the psalm. If we are meeting with Yahweh, the Creator and Possessor of all things, who really could go up to meet with Him? Who really could stand in His presence? For Israel, God had already given an answer to them. The answer was only the high priest. And he could only stand in the presence of the Lord once a year for the purifying of the people. But Psalm 24 is looking at something more than just sort of this ritual approach to God. At Yom Kippur, which by the way is being celebrated or was just celebrated by the Jewish people. This psalm is getting at more than that. Because it answers these questions with the real possibility that there is somebody who can stand before the Creator. The one who has clean hands, who hasn't done anything wrong. The one who has a pure heart, whose motives, whose thoughts are pure all the time. This is the one who can stand in the presence of the Holy Creator. Well, that doesn't help us much, does it? In fact, it may make the situation worse by highlighting what we are not. We are not clean of hands. And we are not pure of heart. In fact, these words make me think of other words. Words that we share in Divine Service 4 at the beginning. Words that we share every, sun, every Wednesday at our noon communion service. Words of Psalm 30. If you, O Lord, kept the record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? Who is worthy to stand in the presence of the Creator? Who is worthy to be face to face with Yahweh? But you see, this psalm is not holding us to a standard of perfection, but rather it's inviting us to consider some other things. It's inviting us to consider the fact that even though our hands are not clean of themselves, our hearts are not pure in and of themselves, that coming before the Creator is about receiving from Him. And it's about receiving a redemption and a salvation. Psalm 24 informs the way we gather together in the presence of God Sunday in and Sunday out, Wednesday in and Wednesday out. This is why we begin our services with confession and with absolution. Because Psalm 24 is pointing us more than just our clean hands and pure heart. It's pointing us to receiving the blessing and the righteousness from the God of our salvation. And that opens our minds and it directs our hearts to the last part of the psalm in which we are blown away. Blown away by the full answer to this questions, to these questions. Blown away by the fact that Yahweh God, Yahweh God comes fully into His creation to do this work of redemption and salvation. This is big! So big that the heads of the doors have to be blown off 
in order to accommodate the King of glory as he enters. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. But again, we learn, as with so many things, that what God says is not always apparent and readily accessible to us and our eyes. But according to the New Testament, the strength and the might of this king are unlike the strength and might of earthly kings. This king, this king of glory, who from all of eternity had power and authority and sovereignty, this king of glory gave it up. Who is this king of glory? This king of glory is Jesus Christ, who did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped or exploited or robbed, but rather emptied himself to become like us. Emptied himself, being born in human likeness and in human form and laid in a manger. This one, this one is the one who has pure hands, the one who has a pure heart. Demonstrated throughout his life. One in his temptation in the wilderness in which he simply kept referring back to Scripture to defeat the temptations. This is the one with clean hands and a pure heart who marches in on Palm Sunday to the acclamations of the people. And as he goes into Jerusalem, those gates should have blown their heads off because the King of glory was coming to Jerusalem. But he was not coming as a conquering king, but as a king who was embattled, not with his creation, but with sin, with death, with the power of the devil. The king of glory who is going to win a victory, not as glorious as the victories of kings of earth, but was going to win it through his death on the cross, becoming the sacrifice to redeem the creation. Another place where this psalm is referenced is this beautiful spot in Handel's Messiah where we've had the death of Christ, we've had the burial of Christ. We're not quite at the physical resurrection yet, but instead we hear these glorious words of Psalm 24. As Jesus, according to Peter, as Jesus goes down to the very gates of hell and blows them apart and leads out of it those captive in his train. This king of glory blows away the stone from the tomb. This king of glory, risen from the dead, appears to his disciples, demonstrating his victory over death, his victory over sin. And this King of Glory's procession continues on. While the disciples gaze into the heavens, no longer seeing Jesus, the angels of heaven are rejoicing for His return home, the very King of Glory. And they begin the new song of salvation that will never end. Our eyes can't see it all. But the glory of this king comes to us on a regular basis in so many ways. But especially, this king of glory comes to us as we gather together in his name. 
when we gather together to meet again our Creator and our Redeemer, these doors ought to have their heads blown off because the King of glory is here now, today. But yes, hidden. Hidden under simple words. But words that have power. We are not joking when we say your sins have been forgiven because the King of glory has forgiven them. We're not kidding when we baptize children in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit as the King of glory takes up His residence in the lives of His children. And the King of glory comes to us again and again as we receive Him, His body and blood in Holy Communion. And this King of glory, who comes again and again and again, will come for a final time. He will bring creation to its climax, and He will bring with Himself the new heavens and the new earth, the home of righteousness forever. These are the things that Psalm 24 is inviting us into the presence of the Lord. Inviting us to rejoice and have our eyes adjusted as we look at this King of glory, victorious in battle. This King of glory who will come again. And as Peter said today in our reading, our epistle reading, what's there for us to do? For us, it is to declare the excellencies of Him who called us out of darkness and into His marvelous light. This is some of the things that the Lutheran Women's Missionary League has been doing through their mites, through their simple acts of service, proclaiming the coming of this King, the King of glory. And we are called to join in that. We may join together with the LWML in giving mites to help this proclamation around the world in various ministries, but we are also called to share this good news with others so that they too will have clean hands and a pure heart for the sake of their redemption in Christ. So that all will know the King of glory, He provides this redemption and salvation for all who believe in Him and will bring it to its final glory when He comes again. Amen. May the peace of God, established through the work of Jesus Christ, your glorious King, strengthen and keep you in true faith to life everlasting. Amen. Thanks for listening to Lightly Salted. We'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at stjohnspr.org or look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Our thanks to Eric Medeish at soundimage.org for Morning Jew. God's blessings.